Pope Benedict says, not all moral issues have the same moral weight as abortion. There may be the legitimate diversity of opinion, even among Catholics, about waging war and applying the death penalty, but not with regard to abortion. That's interesting. President Biden is a Catholic. Um, I'm sure he's in agreement then. So what did he have to say on this new ruling on Roe versus Wade? He says, look, think what Roe says. Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded, that the right, that the existence of human life and being is a question. Okay, uh, <laughs> but who cares, right? That's Pope Benedict, he isn't the Pope anymore. What's Pope Francis think about it? You know, he must be uh, unsure on it as well, the origins of life and abortion. Well, Pope Francis says abortion isn't a lesser evil, it's a crime. Taking one's life to save another, that's what the mafia does. It's a crime. It's an absolute evil. Yikes. Mm. Well, listen, our president is not a Christian, in our opinion. He's not a Catholic. He's a politician. Yep. And I am Spencer. And this is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And this is Religionless Christianity, the show where every week we do our best to navigate through this secular world that we live in and figure out how we can walk a life that's pleasing to God. So, mm. and we had a good episode today, um, a very positive episode by and large, because today we're going to be discussing the earth shattering news of abortion and what looks like the Supreme Court's potential to overturn uh, that heinous and sinful law, Roe versus Wade. So here at the start, I do want to mention um, before anyone turns us off, as we start talking about abortion, um, because we may not have a chance to say it later, that we might speak rough at times of abortion um, because we are adamantly opposed to it. We hate it. We think it's... Um, sinful and has brought a much deserved judgment on this country. Um, however, that does not mean that we hate women. We don't hate blacks. We're not racist. We don't hate anything else. Um, we just hate abortion. We love everyone and we want everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want them to love Christ. We want them to live for Christ. We want them to raise children in that same manner. And uh, there is also forgiveness for the sin of abortion, just like there is for all sins. Yep. Uh, but we aren't going to throw softballs here because we are very much opposed to abortion. So before we get to all that, though, the news and abortion, is there anything you would like to say? You just have a prayer request for our friends Nicole and Kyle. They will be moving here from Virginia. So just pray they have safe travels and they have... Uh, Two kids, just pray that kids don't get sick in the car and all that. That would just be a, just a safe and healthy trip for them. So yeah. we're excited to see our friends we haven't seen in years. It was probably 12 years ago when we met them in Washington State. So it'll be nice to um, get to know them all over again now that they have kids and they haven't seen our youngest, so who's nine. <laughs> yeah. 
It's been quite some time. He was a recruiting buddy of mine. Um, I was an Air Force recruiter. He was an Army recruiter. And yeah, he, he was like the only military person around at the time that we really hung out with. Um, mm -hmm. He was big into cars and Florida Gator football. So we'll see <laughs> how that's changed over the last decade. But it'll be good to see them pray for their safe travels here. Um, yeah, and I have another prayer request. I have an uncle who just got out of prison um, just a couple days ago. And he's been locked up for, I think, over a decade. And, I mean, a lot has changed. Uh, my mom was just telling me, uh, well, my aunt picked him up. So she called my mom so he could talk to her, you know, like on messenger probably like a video chat and he was just amazed at the technology just how things have changed in 10 years he was just like i can't believe i can look at you while i'm talking to you on the phone and and she was telling him uh just the culture shock it's going to be everybody everywhere you go everybody's going to be staring down at their phone everybody's addicted to their phone and uh so just pray that he will adjust to the new culture it's just yeah, I didn't think about, I know everybody, I know in jails and stuff, you'd mentioned they have tablets and stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, he's probably um, seen smartphones, yeah. but I think if my memory serves me right, the iPhone, the original iPhone, I think came out in 2009. I think that's right. So right when he would have went into prison. So he's probably seen smartphones <laughs> and is aware of smartphones, but yeah, he's probably never used one on a day-to-day -day basis. And I mean, you just imagine how our lives have changed in yeah. the past 13 years with technology. And um, yeah, it's going to be a real shock <laughs> coming out. Yeah, I just pray for salvation too. And they just, you know, just wouldn't get back into any old habits that you would stay, stay sober. And um, yeah, that he would be have a better life than what he had before going in. That's the hope. You know, I've been doing that jail ministry. And a lot of those guys, you know, they go there and they're you know, only there for a few months and they get out. And the concern is always that they fall back in with the same old people, you know, that got them into trouble in the first place. But I mean, I've never really talked to someone that's been in prison for that long. But like, hopefully 13 years has been enough time for all of the troublemakers and uh, bad influences to be gone and maybe get a fresh start. So just pray for them. Um, yeah, be nice to have him get back on the right track. Mm -hmm. And then just pray for our Supreme Court. Obviously, we're talking about abortion and a ruling that they are potentially um, on the cusp of coming out with. And they're going to need your prayers for safety, first and foremost, but then also courage to go through um, and enact this ruling to overturn mm -hmm. that wicked crime of abortion, in our opinion. I guess not crime, sin. It wasn't a crime, it was yeah. a sin. So yeah. pray for them that they have the courage of conviction to go through with that. And I will just say, because I was looking up some stuff and just pictures, you know, in this diversity, inclusion, and equity environment that we live in, where everything is supposed to be equally diverse, um, properly inclusive of all genders and races and ethnicities, I thought it was pretty funny that, you know, people are throwing a fit now that this ruling's on the cusp of being overturned. But the people who ruled in favor of Roe versus Wade were just nine old white men 
on that Supreme Court. But in our Supreme Court today, it's a very diverse crowd. We've got Hispanic women, black men. We got a black woman coming on soon. We've got so a nice hmm. mixture of men, women, all races, ethnicities. So it's funny that people are like, we need to be more diverse. And then we're like, we get you know a diverse. What's... I'm just saying, you know what's so funny is women are always saying, if, if you're not a woman, you have no say in the matter. But it was men who passed it. So you want them to have no say? They're the ones who gave it to you. Yeah, so they should, in theory, be much more okay with this ruling since it's a diverse group of individuals, including women, right. that are ruling on this. Whereas, you know, you should almost be more offended that a bunch of white, old white men decided, yeah, you can go and kill your minority baby. We're okay with that. Just pretty fascinating uh, little thing there. So before we dive into the news of the week, um, I do just want to give a quick little shout out here to Cardinal Contingency Solutions. I talked to you guys last week about their rite of passage that they're getting ready to spin up for the summertime. They're also getting ready to spin up some uh, more outdoor sort of survival adventures. So if that's something you think would be enjoyable, go and test your metal out there if you're outdoorsy at all. Um, go reach out to them. Links will be in the show notes to Cardinal Contingency Solutions. And, you know, go have a good time outdoors. You might learn a thing or two. Test your metal surviving in the wilderness. And then also, as always, we are members of the Christian Podcast community. And we would love for you guys to go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. See if there's an, a show on here that sort of tickles your fancy, if you will. Um, over 50 different podcasts from all different um, areas of Christian life and something that our founder, we just interviewed Andrew Rappaport about two weeks ago, I think maybe. And he sent out a message this week saying that for the first time ever, uh, the Christian podcast community saw, well, this isn't the first time we've had growth, but a 12% growth in listenership, which took us over 100,000 downloads for the first time. Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. So uh, mm -hmm. I'd like to think we had a small hand in that. Pretty soon it'll be a million downloads. Yep. God willing. <laughs> so yeah, go jump on there. Give them a listen. Give them a like, subscribe, a follow, a review, and all the stuff that helps podcasts. So we are going to forego our Bible topic for this week, which stinks because we've been struggling and striving to talk about gluttony for a very <laughs> long time. And we just, you know, haven't gotten there. But we thought that the topic on abortion today was going to take up too much of our time to really yeah. try to splice in gluttony. So we're just going to focus most of our attention today on that um, Supreme Court draft ruling on abortion. Um, but there are a couple stories that I just want to highlight because I thought they were interesting and they've touched on things that we've kind of talked about previously um, before we get into the abortion topic that'll take up the majority of the show. And I know I promised last week that I would have this really cool intro put together. <laughs> I probably oversold it, but I didn't even have time to put it together this week. So I apologize. I showed Nikki some of the, the stuff I had, and I just didn't have the time to actually put it together, which is all right, because this isn't really bad news this week. It's actually yeah. pretty good news. But still, I will do my best to have it next week um, for you guys. 
So this will just be our normal boring intro to the news, our <laughs> weekly walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We take a look at the news. And our first news story here, honey, if you want to read that headline. Dave Chappelle tackled while performing on stage. Attacker charged with four misdemeanor counts. Yep. And then what does it say? Uh, yeah, if you just want to read that. Uh, video footage shows a man rushing onto the stage and tackling the performer to the ground during the Netflix is a joke comedy festival for which Chappelle has performed a number of dates at the Hollywood Bowl in the last month. The attacker then gets up and tries to run off stage before he is caught and tackled by what appear to be security personnel and members of Chappelle's team. Yep. So the reason we thought this was important to highlight is we told you this would happen. Um, after the Will Smith slap and just sort of how mm -hmm. widely um, he was praised for what people were calling his defense of his wife against those um, vicious jokes from Chris Rock. We mm -hmm. told you that this would lead to others deciding that they could take matters into their own hands to and stop. So soon. <laughs> so soon. I mean, we expected it to happen. Um, you know, jokes that they don't like, comedians that they don't like, they're going to take it into their own hands if to stop. you're just a little offended, you have the right to attack someone. That's yeah. what they think. Will Smith gave you that right. Um, and we told you that it would <clears throat> escalate, right? We kind of mentioned that a slap on Chris Rock going to turn into a tackle on Dave Chappelle. And the fear is that it's not going to stop here. It's going to continue to escalate yeah. unless we do something to stop it, right? This tackle on Dave Chappelle could turn into, you know, a knife stab into Bill Burr, you know, or a gunshot at Louis C.K. or something like that, if he's still doing comedy. I don't know. Um, Why did nobody go after Will Smith? Like, he didn't get... Because he's untouchable. Uh, <laughs> No, he's quite little. He's untouched. He's in that elite class of untouchable um, men in this country, not to mention, you know, anyway, yeah, he's untouchable. So, but the thing is, too, this guy also had, if you saw in that picture here, uh, I believe they said that he had a knife and a replica gun or like a gun replica with a knife on it or something. And he pointed it at Dave Chappelle and... um you know, the thing is, is that like support or supporting or promoting violence only gets you more violence. Mm -hmm. um, and the left already hates Dave Chappelle. I mean, so it makes sense that this is a guy that would be attacked. Yeah. Um, and I don't assume that this guy is going to necessarily be widely condemned for what he did, because, again, they hate Dave Chappelle. Although if you saw the pictures of this young man after his attack on Dave Chappelle... He definitely got the worst end of that attack. He was pretty messed up. So it said that his security sort of, uh, his, they, uh, what did it say? He was attacked or tackled by their security personnel. No, he was pretty thoroughly thrashed by his security personnel, which makes me happy because you should not act out in this way. And if you do, you should sort of reap what you sow. But the thing is, um, you know, we don't condone Dave Chappelle's comedy necessarily, other than the idea of sort of pushing back on the godless left's sort of agenda and their ideas of silencing improper thought. But this is why we call Christians to be peacemakers um, and to not give in to the world's sort of notions of chivalry or whatever they tried to classify Will Smith 
his outburst as. Uh, we classify it as wrath, giving into anger. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to be peacemakers and we have to call other people to be peacemakers as well. Whether that's Will Smith, um, whether it's you or your cousin, it doesn't matter. We have to be peacemakers because if you give into violence, it just leads other people into more violence. So yep. almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, oh, and a, a story that we talked about, I just pulled, I didn't have time to get it into this episode here, but I shared it with Nikki before we came on. We talked to you guys a few months ago about the man who had the pig heart oh, implanted gosh. into him, the modified pig's heart. And we have some bad news. The man has died. Two months after his pig heart transplant, he died. And the story says he died of a pig virus. It's so amazing that he lived for two months with it. Well, they said in the story that they saw issues almost right after the surgery. So, like, as soon as... Did they, he stay in the hospital the whole time because I would of imagine the issues? So. Okay. I would imagine so. He but didn't, like, go for a run or anything with that heart. He has died. I don't... Think he went for a run. Well, just to test it out. I mean, he he's never got, got a got nice to try athletic pig's heart. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a pig heart is. But he's dead from a pig virus. So, um, <sighs> the last story here that I wanted to touch on because I think it's also good news. Um, do you want to read this headline, honey? Uh, Netflix sued by shareholders following subscriber loss. Yep, and then just like that. Uh, Netflix has lost more than $200 billion in market value after it reported its first subscriber loss in a decade during its first quarter earnings results last month. Yep. So Netflix is being sued by their shareholders over what they claim is, I think, securities fraud. And they're making this claim on, like, misguiding them about slow, slowed subscriber growth is what they say. Um, and we think this is good news, and we, again, want to encourage all of you listening to cancel your Netflix subscriptions, especially now um, when they're really hurting. They're getting sued. They're losing a lot of money. Now is actually the best time to pile on and yeah. not to necessarily kick someone when they're down, but this is when it'll actually hurt them, and we're not suggesting necessarily that you cancel your subscriptions forever um although we are calling you to cancel netflix disney plus i mean people canceled way back when they had that that show that's why we canceled yeah the little but that's probably why a lot of people canceled do you think on account of just that well i think there's a lot of reasons for why they've canceled i mean obviously for people like us who don't or don't appreciate sort of the um I guess the lewd shows, not just the ones about the young kids, the grooming and the sex, you know, sexual immorality they're trying to groom in our young children. But just, I mean, how many talks do we have about every new show that they had come on was filled with nudity? And you're like, man, we can't even watch any of these shows. Mm -hmm. But then also, there's a lot of other competition now, although we are asking you to cancel Disney Plus as well, because that's a organization bent on grooming your child. Discovery yep. Plus, if you have that, I just read an article 
yesterday that Tyra Banks is getting ready to launch a new teen drag show. Wow. Um, so Discovery wow. Plus is going to be grooming your your children as well. Get out of that. Um, but then also, and I don't know this f- personally, but I've heard that Netflix's subscription price has gone up dramatically from what it once was. You know, it used to be like 10, 12 or whatever. I don't know what it is now, but it's gone up a lot more. Okay. So there's more competition. Stuff's getting more expensive. So it makes sense they're going to lose subscribers. But now's a really good time to sort of kick them while they're down and let them know like, hey, we're canceling our subscription until we can trust that you're not going to be, um, you know, constantly pushing out this lewd material or grooming our children. Mm-hmm. I mean, go after them, right, for what they're doing here. D- Disney Plus as well, they're suffering massive financial losses due to kind of what's going on in Florida right now. Now is a perfect time to pile on and see if you can't maybe um, affect some change here because the only way that we can really affect change with these global corporations is with our money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can send out a mean tweet about them and they may see it, probably they don't not. Care. But they don't care, right? As long as your money's still flowing into them. You, that's the only way you can hurt them. Yeah, yeah, so now is the perfect time to pile on. You know, they've lost $200 billion. If we had another... That's huge. 250,000 people or so in this country that were like, yeah, we're out too, man. It's an easy um, thing. You don't have to do it forever. No, it's summertime. It's perfect. Yeah. Take a month or yeah. two off. And Go I camping. mean, just think, right? You keep getting told. <laughs> 60% of this country is Christian. If we had 60% of this country that was like, hey, Netflix, until you, until you stop putting nudity in all these shows, until everything stops being homosexual and LGBTQ, and you're going after our kids, until you're done with that, we're not coming back. If you had 60% of this country do that, I mean, what is that? 220 million, 200 million people? That would change their mind dramatically very quickly. So, um, yeah, consider doing that. I think now's a really good time. Might even make you feel good. Get you outside, get some exercise. Go to the beach. Come to the Emerald Coast. It's beautiful this time of year. Um, We'd be happy to have you. But anywho, that's sort of our uh, quick look at those news stories. But the really, really the only news story that mattered this week was the Supreme Court's ruling that leaked. And this is probably the biggest and most monumental ruling in my lifetime, I think. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but as far as I can think... Um, If it does go through, obviously, this is just a draft ruling, but the Supreme Court seems poised to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I never truly thought that we would live to see this day. I mean, it's something we've complained about. People have fought about. Politicians have talked about. But I never actually thought that we would see this day. Um, And this is, uh, you know, a case that we asked you guys to pray about months ago. We, I think, talked about Dobbs versus Jackson, I think is the case that it's called in Mississippi with their 15 week abortion Mm -hmm. ban. And if you did pray, thank you, because we're here now. um, And we're on the precipice of what we think is maybe the most sinful, I mean, in my opinion, the worst thing to ever happen in America. Slavery was bad. I don't think it equates to what has been happening through the abortion ruling in Roe versus Wade. So if you want to read, uh, we'll just get this kicked off, kind of looking generally at what happened. And then kind of the way this episode is going to try to flow is we're going to try to give you just a brief history of Roe versus Wade, very surface level, not academic at all. Just 
because not everyone might be aware of sort of the background of Roe versus Wade. And then we'll dive into the actual ruling itself. And then just sort of some responses to it as we look to end the episode. So do you want to just read this headline, honey? Yeah, the draft ruling shows Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Yep. And then do you want to just go through here? Sure. Uh, the Supreme Court is poised to overturn the landmark 1973 decision in Roe versus Wade that protects the federal right to abortion, according to a draft majority opinion published Monday evening at Politico. Yep. And then right down here, I wanted to just highlight this last little um, section here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alito, in the draft opinion, employed language that mirrored remarks he made during a December, December oral argument in which he said he viewed Roe as egregiously wrong. She said it. We weren't sure that she would get egregiously correct as we were going through this, but she did it. And we agree with him that it was egregiously wrong. Not that I'm a lawyer or a judge, but it just makes sense. Um, So a quick history on Roe versus Wade. And again, this is very surface level, and we're just getting this from history.com. So take that for what it's worth. If you don't like history.com, go do your own research. <laughs> so if you want to just read through these little bits, I pulled yeah. some of this stuff out just out of, or, you know, just pulling out different sections. So we're not covering the entire thing here, but. All right. So how did we get Roe versus Wade? January 22nd, uh, 1973, the Supreme Court struck down a Texas statute banning abortion, effectively legalizing the procedure across the United States. The court held that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. In 1969, Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her early 20s, sought to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. McCorvey, who had grown up in difficult, impoverished circumstances, previously had had given birth twice and given up both children for adoption. At the time of McCorvey's pregnancy in 1969, abortion was legal in Texas, but only for the purpose of saving a woman's life. After trying unsuccessfully to get an illegal abortion, McCorvey was referred to Texas attorneys Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, who were interested in challenging anti-abortion laws. In court documents, McCorvey became known as Jane Roe. Yep. And then it goes on down here to say in 1970, the attorney filed a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey and all the other women who were or might become pregnant and want to consider all options against Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas County where McCorvey lived. So that's how you get Roe versus Wade. Mm. McCorvey was Roe. The district attorney was Wade. So Roe versus Wade. And it says down here, in June 1970, a district court ruled that the state's abortion ban was illegal because it violated a constitutional right to privacy. (laughs) Then on January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court, in a 7-2 decision, struck down the Texas law banning abortion, effectively, effectively legalizing the procedure nationwide. 
In a majority opinion written by Justice Harry Blackman, the court declared that a woman's right to abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment. That's really crazy. Um, Norma McCorvey maintained a low profile following the court's decision, but in the 1980s, she was active in the abortion rights movement. However, in the mid-1990s, after becoming friends with the head of an anti-abortion group and converting to Catholicism, she turned into a vocal opponent of the procedure. Isn't that strange? <laughs> and what's funny, sad, or depressing, I don't know what you want to call it, that the very woman who fought to earn these rights nationwide for abortion would probably be called a white supremacist today, Yeah, Christian nationalist, bigot, racist, every other idiotic name under the sun that they could think of to call her um, because her change of heart, change of mind. Yeah. It would be interesting. I don't know if I didn't look this up, if her two original children, if they knew if they were her original mm. kids that were given up for adoption, huh. it would be interesting if they could find out and be like, wow, be interesting to see what well, they her Less, well, have to say about that, but I bet you could. Um, out. yeah, and then just also interesting to note again that that seven to two ruling came by a court of all old white men, mm -hmm. um, and we're not supposed to be in favor of that anymore. So, what has been the impact of Roe versus Wade? That's what we wanted to kind of touch on after looking at the history. So, obviously, the big impact 64 million plus dead babies. Um, but I don't think that that number even does it justice. Because if you consider that many of those children that were sacrificed on the altar of Moloch, um, roughly 38.4 million, if my math serves me right, would be of childbearing age today. So if you consider that 38.4 million that were killed, plus all the potential kids and grandkids or grandkids that they could have had you know you might get up near a hundred million children that that have been removed from our world if you will um and i thought when i was putting that number together like that's weird that 100 million is sort of the same number that they attached to the number of deaths due to communism around the world and i thought makes sense since it's the same satanic spirit overseeing both of mm -hmm. them um, yeah, but if you add into that 64 million that have been killed, roughly 35% of all the abortions, um, have been in the black community. And then if you look at all minority groups, it's well over 50% of all the abortions have been done in the minority communities. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to not look at all those numbers and then see all the people supporting that these minorities kill all their children and go, that seems a bit racist. Um, we certainly know that the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, we know she was a racist. Uh, and we know that her design and intentions for Planned Parenthood was eugenics. Um, she wanted to get rid of the black race. So you may be sitting there going, hey, hold on a second. I'm no mm -hmm. racist, don't you know? I love, well, Look at who's in your court or who's on your side of the court, right? Who are your teammates? Margaret Sanger, uh, Woodrow Wilson. I mean, people that started and supported Planned Parenthood, people that are today 
I mean, I think in last I heard in New York City, I think more black babies were aborted than born. So you can be like, oh, we love black people. Really? You're supporting them killing themselves left and right at an inordinate you know, number compared to their population percentage. Mm-hmm. And also like all the people that want to cry about minority races being, you know, affected here in America. If abortion wasn't a thing, they wouldn't be minority races anymore. You know, 35 plus million, um, you know, what is that? Well, probably 25 million African-Americans that have been killed through abortion. Again, you tack onto that their children and their grandchildren, potentially. You're talking about having, you're not a minority anymore at that point in this nation. Um, So they're basically convincing you to kill yourself to keep you a minority so that they can decry that you're being taken taken advantage of because you're a minority. Um, Kind of strange circular logic there. I know. So so the dead babies are just one side of that coin. And the ruined lives of the people who go through with the abortion, that's another aspect here. Because you don't murder your child and then have your soul left unblemished. Because if you can go down the road of killing the thing that is supposed to be the most precious thing in the world to you, that has to open a foothold to the evil one. Because if you can commit that sin, what other sin, what would seem too far? Like, is it likely you would say, well, I shouldn't have had that second beer because, you know, drunkenness is a sin. Oh, what did I do yesterday? I killed my child. It seems unlikely. And then we have a political and media class that are so wicked and sinful. They had propped you up as a hero if you've had an abortion. And now what's the likelihood of that you repent of that sin because you're a hero now? It's no, it seems very unlikely. And we've seen <sighs> that, right? People become, I mean, who was it? Leah Dunham, I think years ago. I don't even know what she's doing anymore today. But I remember she w- went on some talk show and said that she had wished she had an abortion. What? Like she wanted to be part of the in crowd. What? Just lunacy. And we get it. The satanic left, we don't expect much from them. But what's so frustrating to me about this whole argument is I can't believe the split in the Christian community over abortion. Nothing has made less sense to me. Like nothing seems more sacred and more easily understood than the importance of life. That we are a created being made by a creator. Like he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. We have, I mean, you see it on the wall back here, but Psalms 22.10. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. And so many different verses that make you understand that God knits you together. Like babies don't just get born out of accident and then God goes, whoa, hold on a second. Susie's pregnant? Get me a soul over here and put it in that baby. No, it's designed. God, so you may be accidentally pregnant, but it wasn't an accident. God made that baby. Well, so even, you're playing God by taking that baby away. Because I'm sure we brought it up before, but when Elizabeth saw Mary, yeah, John, uh, John, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth's womb. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it may be accidental to us. 
but it's not accidental to God. And that's what I don't understand the split on. And I How think, does it know, glorify God? Like, ask these Christians who support abortion. How is this pleasing to God? Does, what, do, what do you think God thinks of it? It makes me think in the verse that I came up with just off the top of my head when we were putting this together, you know, maybe it's because I've been reading through Romans, but Romans 6.15, where he says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law of grace? Or because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. And I feel like that's almost the underlying mindset of Christians. That support abortion is like, we're under grace. Like, God will forgive us. Sorry if you heard my dog just get tortured downstairs. <laughs> but this mindset that like, yeah, well, we can sin, but it's my right. And I don't need to be burdened with this. And God will just forgive me. Instead of being like, no, no, you're under grace so that you can live a life more pleasing to God. Um, mm -hmm. But it, I just don't know where that mindset you're switch free. comes. You're supposed, it says you're free from sin, not free to sin. And this again goes back into that mindset and we discussed before, 6% of America has a biblical worldview. And I would say this falls into that. If you're of the pro-abortionist mindset like our president claiming to be a Christian, you got to ask yourself, what do you actually believe? Who do you actually believe in? And where do you get those beliefs from? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be from the Bible. Um, it seems to be made up in your own mind, you know, yeah. the God that you want to serve, not the actual God that we're called to serve. It's just the one that you want to serve that gives you freedom and license to do anything you choose to do and then he's just going to whitewash that sin away which is not the bible that i've read um so it's just i you know i mm -hmm. i don't really get as frustrated at the godless people who support abortion they have they're godless they have nothing they have no hope for the future they yeah. are making up morals on the fly so i don't blame them but the christians who claim to follow christ you know first john tells us that if you, I can't paraphrasing here, but he says basically that um, you know that you're his if you follow his commands. Mm -hmm. That's one of the ways to know that you're a Christian. So if you don't follow his commands, if you don't follow scripture, if you don't let that be the guiding influence in your life, you can't know that you're saved. Yeah, you don't have Saying this that assurance. Saying that prayer yeah. did not do it for you. Like if you're putting women's rights above God's commandment, you're so backwards. Like, yeah, you're worshiping just... the creation over the creator. Yeah, you um, are. So moving past the history portion of this, me and Nikki, we did our due diligence, sort of. Um, we read through the entire 67-page draft of Justice Alito's ruling here. Although, to be fair, we each only read half of it. <laughs> 67 pages is a lot to read through. So she took the first 34 pages or whatever. I took the last 33 pages or however it shakes out. Um, so we're just going to pull where we just pulled a few of the points out from our reading that we just thought stuck out to us. Again, we're not lawyers or judges. Just as we read this, we went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we just want to bring those to you guys. And as with all of these topics that we always talk about, abortion is no different. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this. Um, so do you want to just dive into mm -hmm. your points first here, honey? 
Yeah, I, I liked how you brought up that abortion, just the, the process of it is demeaning to the medical profession. He says most abortions after 15 weeks employ dilation and evacuation procedures, which involve the use of surgical instruments to crush and tear the unborn child. And that's really hard to read that. Just, just saying that is, yeah, just disturbing. Yeah, but, abortion's horrific. So it says intentional commitment of such acts for non-therapeutic or elective reasons is a barbaric practice dangerous for the maternal patient and demeaning to the medical profession, which I agree. I like that it's written in that way, that it's demeaning to the medical profession. Yeah, like I wonder in the realm of medical professionals, like where does abortion provider fall? Like if you're going to the country club with all your MDs and yeah. doctors and they're like, I'm a neurosurgeon. You sit at the head of the table. You save lives. Where does the like, abortion <laughs> doctor go? Like, is he cleaning up the trash after they're done oh, with their dinner? I can't imagine he's not... held in high regard. Like, who thinks when I grow up, I'm going to be an abortionist? I can't wait to kill oh babies when I do. Yeah, you're Kermit How Gosnell. How get into that? Like, Kermit Gosnell is an abortion <laughs> provider, um, and he's rightfully in prison. So. And the only thing that could want you to get into that profession it's just money what other reason would it be you're not helping women you know you're causing them to have mental issues well and that's the debased mind right that paul talks about that we've given over to a debased mind where yeah you can somehow justify you know in your mind you make this sort of mental gymnastics of i'm helping women yeah as you're ripping the legs and arms off of a female baby you're like, I'm helping women now. You have and to you're look pulling at that chunks baby. of a baby out and you're like, You have to look at it nuts? like a like a cancer or something, like you're removing something harmful to the mom. And then even it's the so lengths twisted. that they go to, right? Because um, you know, and a lot of times you'll you know, you'll discuss this with people, especially Christians, and this is what gets you so angry, because they're like, Oh, well, what about this woman who, you know, we had a friend and she sent us something like the the egg got fertilized in the fallopian tube. And if the mom gave birth, the baby would die and she would die. And you're like, okay, sure, an extenuating circumstance. But that's not what Roe versus Wade argued and fought for. Yeah. And the results of Roe versus Wade is now you have teenagers, right, that yeah. can go and get contraception and abortions and they don't tell the parents. And like all these sorts yeah. of things were like. They used to have to yeah, get it's consent madness. by one parent at least. And now, yeah. You better do your homework after you get that abortion. Because I'm, you know. All right, my madness. second. Oh, the second one I have. Oh, it's a little longer. Well, anyway. It says, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee that some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. The right to abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. Indeed, when the 14th Amendment was adopted, three-quarters of the states made abortion a crime at all stages of pregnancy. The abortion right is also critically different from any other right that this court has held to fall within the 14th Amendment's protection of liberty. 
Roe's defenders characterized the abortion right as similar to the rights recognized in past decisions involving matters such as intimate sexual relations, contraception, and marriage, but abortion is fundamentally different, as both Roe and Casey acknowledged, because it destroys what those decisions called fetal life, and what the law now before us describes as an unborn human being. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. That is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. Yeah, so I think, you know, looking at that first part there makes sense, right? That abortion is a very different thing mm -hmm. in the realm of privacy. You know, you're talking about, oh, my right to privacy to have sexual relations in my own room. Sure, that's yeah. a good right to privacy. But now abortion is different because, as he mentions, even though that ruling on Roe and Casey, they describe fetal life, potential human yeah. life. Mm -hmm. And abortion is ending that life. It's killing something. So that's obviously a different thing than your right to privacy in your own home. It's a very different right. So, I mean, again, makes sense to me, right? But then also he goes on to say that, and that's the, the thing about this ruling, right? And the lunacy of all the hysteria around it mm -hmm. is that he's not saying abortion's banned anymore. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's yeah. what people are freaking out about. They just need to understand what Roe versus Wade is and what's, that it's not going to be a federal thing anymore, but just controlled by the states. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the hysteria is being perpetuated by our worthless media and political class. Yeah. That's what they want. But that's what his ruling saying, right, is that this is a very important decision mm -hmm. and that deserves to be with the people. Yeah. We should have the right to decide this by electing representatives who either support or don't support. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all the ruling's doing is saying it's no longer a federal rule. Let the states decide. Makes sense to me again. So. Yeah, it does. All right, so point three uh, says historical inquiries of this nature are essential whenever we are asked to recognize a new component of the liberty protected by the due process clause because the term liberty alone provides little guidance. Liberty is a capacious term. As Lincoln once said, we all declare for liberty, but in using the same word, we do not all mean the same thing. In a well-known essay, Isaiah Berlin reported that historians of ideas had cataloged more than 200 different senses in which the terms had been used. In interpreting what is meant by the 14th Amendment's reference to liberty, we must guard against the natural human tendency to confuse what that amendment protects with our own ardent views about the liberty that Americans should enjoy. That is why the court has long been reluctant to recognize rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. Right. And I think this is a large chunk of his ruling here, is he keeps going back to the fact that they basically mm -hmm. read rights into the Constitution yeah. that don't exist there at a federal level. And the Constitution makes clear that the federal government has certain authority. Mm -hmm. And wherever it doesn't have authority, that authority falls back to the state. So here he's saying, yeah, you're claiming liberty. Sure. Everybody claims liberty. And they all have a different definition. Yeah. But the federal government doesn't have the authority based on the Constitution 
to grant you this supposed liberty. So because we don't have that, the states have it. Like, mm -hmm. again, makes sense to me. Yes, it does. All right. Um, number four. Was that four? Mm -hmm. What did I just read? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. As the court cautioned in Glucksburg, we must exercise the utmost care whenever we are asked to break new ground in this field, lest the liberty protected by the due process clause be subtly transformed into the policy preferences of the members of this court. On occasion, when the court has ignored the appropriate limits imposed by respect for the teachings of history, it has fallen into the freewheeling judicial policymaking that characterized discredited decisions. The court must not fall prey to such an unprincipled approach. Instead, guided by the history and tradition that map the essential compo components of our nation's concept of ordered liberty, we must ask what the 14th Amendment means by the term liberty. When we engage in that inquiry in the present case, the clear answer is that the 14th Amendment does not protect the right to an abortion. So... Yeah, I would agree that I don't know how you, again you get to the place of right to privacy equals right to kill a baby. That have seems the liberty. like a stretch here. Yeah. But, and that's what he's saying here. And what's funny is both sides agree to this argument here, but just only when it pertains to things they don't like. Because he says here that um, fallen into freewheeling judicial policymaking. We, both sides of the aisle in this country, hate judicial activism where judges don't rest on the rule of law, but they sort of put their own prejudices into mm -hmm. the law, which is, again, what the left thinks Justice Alito is doing here. They're going, ah, you're making things up. It's judicial activism. And we're looking at Roe versus Wade and going, that's judicial activism. We're both, we both hate that. What we both should want is justices that tell us what the Constitution says. And... The whole idea of a liberal justice or a conservative justice is stupid to me. I don't know how you can have a Supreme mm -hmm. Court justice with a political bent. Yeah. It should just be they're all constitutional. Yes. Yes. Like the idea that you can be liberal or conservative and that should affect your ruling. Yeah. That doesn't is, make any sense. That should. Yeah. That should scare us. That should give us pause. Are you choosing someone because you think they won't adhere to the Constitution? That's yeah, all like, it can be. And I don't want a justice that is conservative. I want him to be constitutional. Or someone who redefines terms. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I'm comfortable with this ruling. Do I, I, don't, I don't want abortion in this country. I want every state to outlaw abortion. That's my hope. Make sure they call but, a baby a baby and not... Right, not fetal tissue and yeah. you know, clumps of cells. The way they word things, yeah, but you got to listen. I also want it to be constitutional. We need to have a rule of law because we don't want a court or anybody to just be making things up as they go. Yeah. We want stuff to be rooted in history. And I personally trust our founding fathers um, gave us the best path towards, mm -hmm. you know, having the most prosperous country. So I just want justices that are going to rule according to that. So again... I, know. I don't want yeah. judicial activism either. Yeah. Yep. All right. My point number five, and I have six points. So uh, the Solicitor General next suggests that history supports an abortion, right? Because the common law's failure to criminalize abortion before quickening 
um, means that at the founding and for decades thereafter, women generally could terminate a pregnancy, at least in its early stages. But the insistence on quickening was not universal, and regardless, the fact that many states in the late 18th and 19th and early 19th century did not criminalize pre-quickening abortions does not mean that anyone thought the states lacked the authority to do so. When legislators began to exercise that authority as the century wore on, no one, as far as we are aware, argued that the laws they enacted violated a fundamental right. That is not surprising since common law authorities had repeatedly condemned abortion and described it as an unlawful act without regard to whether it occur occurred before or after quickening. And that's just how women knew they were pregnant, really, more so. They were sure there was a life when they felt the baby move, which yeah. 16 to 21 weeks. So they may have known, but they were sure the baby was healthy. And... But the important point, I think, here right, is he's saying the argument that they're making is that, well, nobody criminalized abortion back then when women could have it before the quickening. But he's saying, yeah, but everyone recognized that they had the right we had the authority to punish it, even though we didn't. So that, yeah, you know, that argument that like, they well, did. they didn't, yeah. you know, punish us for it. And he's like, yeah, well, they should have and they could have because that was on the books, I guess, you know, sort of a thing. So, um, again, he's just kind of and he does this a lot throughout the entire document where he sort of points out what he calls sort of their weak arguments mm -hmm. on the case it for is. Roe versus Wade that. You know, and here's one of those arguments. Well, they never punished us before. And he's going, yeah, but they could have. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Just a good point. <laughs> All right, on to my last one. Um, instead of seriously pressing the argument that the abortion right itself has deep roots, supporters of Roe and Casey contend that the abortion right is an integral part of a broader entrenched right. Roe termed this a right to privacy, and Casey described it as the freedom to make intimate and personal choices that are central to personal dignity and autonomy. Casey elaborated, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. The court did not claim that this broadly framed right is absolute, and no such claim would be plausible. While individuals are certainly free to think and to say what they wish about existence, meaning in the universe, and the mystery of human life, they're not always free to act in accordance with those thoughts. License to act on the basis of such beliefs may correspond to one of the many understandings of liberty, but it is certainly not ordered liberty. Uh, yeah. yeah. So this whole idea, right, that they're fighting, this is something our president said. Ah, Roe's been settled law for 50 years in this country. It's like he says here, a entrenched right, um, which is so funny to come from a group of people who don't believe in objective truth, don't believe in objective yeah. morality. They believe that my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. Um, they believe also that we should throw out our constitution and rewrite it because oh they're smarter. Gosh. They believe in all these things. So now here they're saying, well, hold on a second. This has been a law for a while now and we shouldn't be able to change it. What about the Constitution and the Second Amendment? Ah, throw it out. It's garbage. You're like, you can't. Yeah. We can either change things that have been what you think is entrenched or we can't. Um, you know, but they wanted, I guess, out of both, both sides there, which isn't uncommon. I mean, I guess we're all guilty of that at some point, but we should fight against it in ourselves and point it out when we see it in others. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, just the idea of, you know, 
making an argument on the meanings of the universe and existence. What's truth to for kill you? Your baby. Isn't truth for me? Gosh, that is just very strange. Um, so as I was going through this back half, um, some of these points, I mean, as we go through them, they may, who knows, sound much like some of the stuff that Nikki talked about. But the first point that I have here is he says, what sharply distinguishes the abortion right from the rights recognized in the cases on which Roe and Casey rely is something that both decisions acknowledged. Abortion destroys what those decisions call potential life mm -hmm. and what the law issue in this case regards as the life of an unborn human being. So again, Nikki pointed this out in one of her points, this idea that both Roe and Casey acknowledge that what they're killing is potential life. It's an unborn human being. So that inherently makes abortion different than your right to have sex in your home because you're killing something here that is alive. Mm -hmm. And again, I keep saying this, but makes sense to me that that would make this a different argument uh, and one that would be hard to justify just on the grounds of privacy. I yeah, Because I don't have the private right to go and beat my kid to a bloody pulp. Like, it's in my own house. It's my right. right to privacy. Get away my from house. me. My house. My rules. No, you'd be like, yeah, dude, I don't care what you're doing in your house. You can't beat your kid to death. Yeah. It's my right to privacy. I want you to rip the limbs off my baby in the womb. That doesn't quite. Uh, seems like a stretch. So um, he goes on to say, abortion is nothing new. It has been addressed by lawmakers for centuries. And the fundamental moral question that it poses is ageless. Defenders of Roe and Casey do not claim that any new scientific learning calls for a different answer to the underlying moral question. But they do contend that changes in society require that recognition of a constitutional right to obtain abortion. Without the availability of abortion, they maintain, people will be inhibited from exercising their freedom to choose the types of relationships they desire, and women will be unable to compete with men in the workplace and in other endeavors. And I believe that is maybe the biggest argument for pro-choice um, side of the aisle here, though they may not say it. Because what he's saying here in this argument, again, makes sense, right? He's saying the defenders of Roe and Casey, they want to say, yeah, advancements in science should not change our right to an abortion. Right. Even yeah. though we know now that children, um, you know, I think you read something earlier to me about at 12 weeks, a baby is fully formed, looks exactly like a baby yeah. or a human. They're like, advances in science should not change how we view abortion. But advances in social culture, where women are given more freedoms and more opportunity, that should affect how we view abortion. Because now that women are on more of a level playing field with men, we can't be saddled with pregnancies that take us out of the workforce. You know, we got to have abortion available as our standing in society increases. But as we learn more about science and life and able to, you know, keep babies viable at a younger age, we should never look at that. But though. science and our technology enabled babies to be to survive outside the womb. Yes. And it's going to only increase as time goes on. Yeah. 
like the term viable well we did a story last year sometime right that i think it was the youngest baby to ever survive was born at 20 weeks and survived outside the womb at 20 weeks so again roe and casey's argument is doesn't matter you should still be able to abort that baby but if women are given better opportunities in the workforce that's a good argument for abortion to continue so yeah well, you got, yeah, the viability argument here. I had some notes that I forgot I put in my phone about it. But just the viability has to do with what we are capable of doing to help a baby survive, right? So a full-term baby could not survive on its own apart from someone caring for it. Sure, it can breathe without assistance, but it depends upon someone else to feed it. So would you classify a full-term baby as not viable because its surviving depends on the care of someone else? Just like a 15-week baby, it also depends on someone else be- but needs more care. Is the term viable defined by how much care is needed to survive? Right. And then this is what they get into when you go down this road of abortion, um, when they talk about a viable human. And I think even in the Roe case and in his argument here, I don't think I pulled it, but I think he talks about the idea of sentient beings as being sort of something that, well, what's a viable baby? Well, like when it's sentient or it has a conscience. So then you go down the road of, okay, well, what about somebody who's severely mentally handicapped, you know, brain damaged? They mm-hmm. don't have the same sentience. Can we just kill them then? Or kids or that elderly. are elderly, elderly, yeah. severe autism in children. None of them you know, none of them meet the standard of what I consider viable. Yeah. A baby who can't feed itself, he's not viable. Let him die. No, I mean, obviously the standard changes and they all need some level of care to sustain themselves. Because let's be honest, probably most New York City liberals, conservatives that live in these metropolitan, they're probably not very, very viable outside of people producing for them. You know, if you don't have meat on the shelves, (laughs) produce on the shelves, you know, good luck taking somebody from inner city Los Angeles and dropping them off in Nebraska and being like, good luck. What are you going to do when there's no food on the shelves? Oh, I drank a bunch of water. Was that from the ocean? Yeah, you're going to die of dehydration. That's salt water. We all depend on someone else for our survival. Yeah, so viability, (laughs) again, is a weak argument, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So he does go on down down here and he says in this case five factors weigh strongly in favor of overruling roe and casey so he makes the case on five um five bases he says the nature of their error the quality of the of their reasoning the workability of the rules they imposed on the country their disruptive effect on other areas of law and the absence of concrete reliance and then he says on the first point, the nature of their error, Roe was on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided, and Casey perpetuated its errors. Mm-hmm. And the errors do not concern some arcane corner of the law of little importance to the American people. Rather, wielding nothing but raw judicial power, the court usurped the power to address a question of profound moral and social importance that the Constitution unequivocally leaves for the people. And that's such an important point. And again, that's that idea of judicial activism, where these nine, again, old white men that were supposed to not be in favor of, they decided to make up a law 
just using their own power as Supreme Court justices, and they took that right away from we the people Mm -hmm. where it belongs. Because again, this does not make abortion a crime nationwide. It simply gives the right back to each individual state to do with as they please, which is where it belongs. So now, if you live in California and you want to have an abortion, you can vote in politicians that support your right to an abortion. If you live in Florida and you don't, you have the right to vote those people in. And if you live in California and don't want to support abortion, you will now have the freedom of saying, I don't want my tax dollars going to support abortion. So I'm moving to, you know, wherever, South Dakota, because they don't support abortion there. You now have that right. Now you have the choice. (laughs) You have the choice. We the people. Again, this is our country. Governments are instituted among men to support our rights, not to tell us how we're supposed to live in every aspect, yeah. but to enact the things that we want enacted. That's sort of the way America's founded. And we have 50 different individual laboratories yeah. supposed to be. So again, makes sense to me on this ruling. And I want to see more freedom yeah. in the states, right? More ability to have, we shouldn't all just look uniform across the country right we're supposed to look different we're supposed to be different right so right he says here our decision returns the issue of abortion to those legislative bodies again the states and it allows women on both sides of the abortion issue to seek to affect the legislative process by influencing public opinion lobbying legislators voting and running for office women are not without electoral or political power It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast ballots is consistently higher than the percentage of men who do so. In the last election in November 2020, uh, women who make up around 51% of the population of Mississippi constituted 55.5% of the voters who cast ballots. Again, excellent point, because what he's saying here is, And this is what the news and the hysteria in the news media has been telling you. Like, ah, women, you know, they're going to take away your right to vote and you're going to have to be stuck in a home as a homemaker pumping out babies and black people are going to be slaves again. And and he's saying here, women have all the political power they need to affect the laws in the way that they want them affected. So if women in your state want abortion to be legal, they can cast ballots. They can even run for office and be governors and congresswomen and senators they're not without power. And then he even makes the case here that in a state like Mississippi, a very conservative state, mind you, women make up a majority of the population and were 55%, so a healthy majority of the voters. Mm-hmm. So again, if women want to yep. enact abortion in their state, he's telling you, they have the power you to have do all it. the power, <laughs> no matter what the godless media wants to tell you, you still have that right. Yep. Um, He says, and to ensure that our decision is not misunderstood or mischaracterized, it already has been, um, (laughs) we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to an abortion and no other right. Nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. So again, all the hysteria, we're going to throw black people back into slavery, interracial marriage won't be allowed anymore, women are going to be forced to be homemakers. He's saying this ruling does not affect any of that. Um, So if you have a lawmaker who wants to throw black people back into slavery, you should vote that person out. They're bad people. The media is probably going to make you believe that. 
Yes. Just watch. He's very clearly saying that is not what this does. Yeah. This makes abortion not federally legal. That's it. So then finally, the last point I have here, he says, we therefore hold that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey must be overruled. And the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their elected representatives. Again, okay. that's all this ruling does mm -hmm. is give us in our individual states the ability to vote on whether we want our state to support abortion or not. Yep. And to what level? That's simply all it does. And I'm so glad that it does. So do you have any last thoughts on these points? Um, I can't think of anything right now. No. So we did just want to highlight sort of how we got the information from this. And I can't remember the article that I pulled this from, but it makes note that this leak of the draft is, um, it says one of the most stunning breaches in recent memory on the secrecy that surrounds the Supreme Court. So this is pretty much unheard of to have a ruling leaked to the public and what they believe might have happened is, you know, maybe a, a staffer or a clerk for one of the justices got the ruling, the draft ruling, and leaked it out to the Politico, and they ran with the story. Um, and they make note in the article that I read, it says, it's likely to further tarnish an institution whose perception among the public has recently fallen to historic lows. And I uh, just want to remind you, you can thank social media. You can thank Jack Dorsey, who's trying to duck all the guilt he's earned, and the mainstream media for that, um, because their only existence anymore seems to be to tarnish American institutions. Although those institutions don't do a lot to help themselves, uh, Congress and the like, but yeah, they're doing their level best here to tarnish the Supreme Court even more for doing what I think the Supreme Court should be doing, right? Giving rights back to the people. Um, so that's how we got the information. It was leaked out in a pretty un, um, unequal way, right? This has never really happened before. And I think the two reasons why it got leaked out, um, number one, I think, is to sort of pressure the justices into changing their vote. Um, but then I think number two, is to drum up support for the 2022 midterm elections uh, for Democrat voters. And as I was kind of, you know, writing that point down, it was like, uh, oh, and sorry, in the case you need further proof that it's um, to scare the justices. Here we have from the Gateway Pundit, um, a left-wing group called Ruth Sent Us apparently doxed the six conservative justices on the Supreme Court. So um, if you were unsure of whether or not they're trying to scare and intimidate them into changing their vote, uh, Ruth sent us is doing the devil's work there. And, you know, just how depraved, I think, again, when you're looking around at who's in your corner from a Christian perspective, when you realize that how do we drum up support best? Let's scare people that they won't be able to kill yeah. their babies anymore. That'll really get them out to vote. You should be looking around at that and being like, these are not the people I want to be associated with. Biden's just going to get the hysteria votes. That's it. That's what they're Yeah, I mean, I guess hoping. if you want to get the kill your baby vote, this is a good way to get it. So um, just, I don't know, depraved is the only way I can think of that. If yep. that's what it takes to rally you into voting. Wait, what did they say? 
I can't kill my next baby. Not having it. Just get out the vote. So, um, the reaction, obviously, as we've mentioned throughout this, has been hysteria, um, lunacy. Most people, obviously, not really caring much about what the ruling says and just diving into hyperbole and, you know, going over the top. But the president did give some responses on this, more so than his um, awesome deep dive into Christian theology that we mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, but he says here the three responses that he kind of gave right off the cuff when this first broke. He said, first, my administration argued strongly before the court in defense of Roe versus Wade. Um, we said that Roe is based on a long line of precedence in recognizing the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty. So again, there he is, our Catholic president, talking about how he's fought and defended Roe versus Wade. And then again, resting on that long line of precedent that they hate in all every, you know, all other circumstances. But here, that's the case he's making. He says, second, shortly after the uh, enactment of Texas's law that was banning um, abortions, he says, oh, let me actually pull it up here. He says, I directed my gender policy council, sounds great, um, to prepare options for an administrative response to the continued attack on abortion and reproductive rights. So he is getting his gender policy council all fired up to go and fight these um, unfair rulings in court. And then third, he says, if the court does not overturn Roe, it will fall on our nation's elected officials at all levels of government to protect a woman's right to choose. And it will fall on voters to elect pro-choice officials this November, he said. At the federal level, we will need more pro-choice senators and pro-choice majority in the House to adopt legislation that codifies Roe, which I will work to pass into or pass and sign into law. So again, he's telling you here, get worked up, make sure you get out to vote. 2022 looks like it's going to be a bloodbath. Here's this abortion nugget that's going to really scare you guys into going vote for more mm -hmm. liberal senators and yeah. congressmen that we really need. They just they just want this the is liberals to turn out, out your vote. So yeah, and maybe it's because yeah, more women are voting and they need the women's vote to get it in their favor. Yeah, I mean, normally when I want people to come and like get more people around me. I'm like, hey, go find more satanic people to get involved in this uh, this thing I'm doing because that'll really help me succeed. It's very clever. Get more pro-choice, <laughs> more, more pro-killing senators and congressmen. That's how this country gets back on the right track. Um, so as we said earlier, he's not a Christian in our opinion. He's no. not a Catholic. Um, but at a more pertaining to us as a citizenry, you know, all the folks that refused to vote for Donald Trump, right, because he wasn't Christian enough for us. Uh, this is just so frustrating to me. And listen, I get it. I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I was unsure of his stance, specifically on abortion. And I was not comfortable voting for someone that may be pro-abortion. Um, but so many, you know, Christians, as they would call themselves, were much more willing to accept President Biden's sort of words over his actions. Right. President Biden, Biden told him he was a Catholic. 
told him that he was going to bring some unity, um, though nothing that he stands for lines up with anything in the Catholic teachings or Christian teachings, but they're like, said he's a Catholic, good enough for me, right? Um, but Trump actually did things to support Christian and people of faith, you know, like nominating three Supreme Court justices who without these three justices, abortion would not be getting overruled on the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it irritates me. I found this poll from Gallup where it talks about 24% of white evangelicals voted for Biden and 52% of all Catholics voted for Biden. So again, he's just like, I'm a Catholic. And they're like, woo, voting for a Catholic. And he's like, let's kill the babies. And they're like, wait, hold on a second. What? Yeah, that's just what they speak out against the most. So they're known yeah, I mean, I guess, but yeah, here's your uh, your Catholic white knight in the, the Oval Office. But if you want to know why Democrats and po- politicians at large, but Democrats mostly focus on identity politics, um, you know, why everything's racism, everything's bigotry and everything's fear based politics mm-hmm. yep. is because it works. Mm-hmm. And this is a prime example of it working. Nothing in Biden's recent memory is Catholic or Christian at all, but he says, I'm a Catholic. And they're like, we're voting for a Catholic. Trump's that, you know, that pervert and sec, you know, secular rich guy. We're not voting for that guy. What did he do? So, you know, nominate three support or Supreme Court justices that want to overturn abortion. Doesn't matter. You know, he talked about grabbing a crotch. You know, what did Joe Biden, he said he's a Catholic. What's he want to do, kill babies? good enough for me he's a catholic like this is why they do identity politics is because it works and it should not work we should be wise to their game that like oh they're just trying to drive fear and hatred so you need to see what's going on what's really yeah they distract you with things to judge them by on their character or what their plans are and no you should and (sighs) you know i wouldn't say that you have to vote republican I'm not making that claim at all, but I don't think you can be a Christian and vote for this Democrat party um, because they stand for too many things that are just clearly satanic, Yeah, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you, your vote, you're, it's like you take part in the wickedness that, that they allow to pass. Yeah, so I mean, again, you don't have to vote Republican, and I encourage you not to because the Republican Party stinks. Vote for independents, vote for libertarians, vote for green, like somebody else, for God's sakes. Um, Yeah, just my two cents. But I did find this other poll from Yahoo. And um, just looking at this poll here, they question America on a lot of things. But the part that is important to us today is the view on abortion law. And it says here, um, you know, male, female, right, 51 and 57% support constitutional right that women should be able to have access to some abortion in all states. And what really stuck out to me reading through this was I just don't think our citizenry understands anymore the way that our nation's supposed to work. You know, I think by and large, we just assume that the president should be able to just make decisions carte blanche and it affects the whole country and that's just the way it is. 
and that's not the way our country works and it should not be the way that we want our country to work we should not have a country where just one man can make a decision or even nine men can make a decision that affects everybody like they mentioned in this ruling on such personal and like deeply profound issues that's not the way the country is supposed to work right um you know so looking at the issue of abortion again right like first off i the idea that it's the constitutional right to me has always seemed idiotic mm-hmm. um because i think if anything it's a complete dismissal of one of our inalienable rights that our founders outlined the right to life mm-hmm. um because again an abortion means that you're ending somebody's life mm-hmm. so the idea that we think america's supposed to be just kind of this one size fits all nation even in regards to something as difficult as abortion is just incorrect and it always has been in my opinion but then also i think abortion you know we want it to be outlawed in all 50 states personally because again i think it goes against one of your god-given inalienable rights and it's hard to make an argument that that should somehow i don't know your right to life should overrule somebody else's right to life when they're innocent and have done nothing wrong on account of privacy yeah, it doesn't make like, a lot of sense to me. So this to me, at the very least, seems like a good decision to go back to the state. So if you want California, New York to keep killing babies, they will. Um, if you want Texas and Mississippi, you know, to ban the killing of children and hope to have a future, then they will. And you have the right in the option now to vote for those outcomes. So uh The ruling just makes sense to me, but I think our citizenry at large that just thinks everything's got to be a federally decided issue, that every state has to operate the same, Mm -hmm. is just nonsense. It's not the way our country's designed, and it's not the way it works best. Something else about this poll, though, just (laughs) on a more lighthearted note as we look to end this, they, they have different identifiers on here. So they did this poll by gender, by age, race, and then they have a specific identifier for vaccination status. So now, depending on your COVID-19 vaccine status, you're in a different class of people now. Are you one of those uh Does it mean vaxxers? COVID or just vaccinated like? Yeah, it's COVID. It's the COVID vaccine because okay. it's fully vaccinated or not fully. So... Just interesting the way that our country is now starting to classify you as a anti-vaxxer, if you will. They they don't have to take you quite as serious anymore if you are one of those crazy anti-vaxxers. And then another thing that was funny here, I don't have it pulled up, but they questioned them on their current pay. They asked them questions, is your current pay too high, just right, not high enough, whatever it happens to be. And 3% of the People that were polled said that their pay was too high. It's just too <laughs> excessive, their income. So we do want to mention that if you're one of those 3% with just so much excessive income, it's a burden. We have links down in our show notes to buymeacoffee.com. You can jump on there. You can send some of that excessive income our <laughs> way and help support the show. We would certainly appreciate that. Um, but... As we look to end this here, um, I just, well, do you have any thoughts on this as we get ready to move into our sermon recommendation? No, you pointed out a lot of good stuff in that survey. Yeah. 
So don't have anything else to add? Personal opinion. I don't think that there's any good arguments for abortion. Uh, I think all the arguments for abortion are stupid or selfish. Yeah. Um, you know, again, there are random cases, right? Small amount of cases where it's life of the mother. That's not an easy yeah. decision to make. You know, yeah. babies that are born or being conceived without organs and different things like that that are difficult. But again, that's not what Roe versus Wade or Casey argued. Right. right? That's not the argument. Yeah. They argued for the the ease of abortion. So if you, you know, slept with the person you didn't want to sleep with or you knew it was a mistake and got pregnant, you can just get rid of it. Right. That's the argument that Roe made. And that's what they brought to the nation was just abortion on demand for any reason. Yeah. Um, and the argument to maintain that level of abortion, I don't think there's a good argument outside of selfishness. And the thing about, again, we don't expect much from the godless left, but from the Christian-minded individual, all of your Christian walk is supposed to be about sacrifice, you know, sacrifice to self. Um, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, our namesake here, right, he tells us that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come die. Uh, you know, Christ tells us to pick up our cross. Um, it's all about dying to yourself and living in sacrifice and service to our God, um, living according to his commandments, as John tells us. Mm -hmm. And there's really nothing about the Roe versus Wade level of abortion that isn't self-focused. Um, it's mm -hmm. all about choosing yourself over sacrifice. It is just selfishness because we're, we're commanded to think of others as better than ourselves. And that includes the unborn in your body. Do you think of that baby, that helpless baby, as better than yourself? Are you going to care for it? Are you going to die to your own your own desires or your fears. And it's really a lack of faith and trust that God is going to provide. Like God's the one who creates life. He can sustain it. And he works even all, even any evil thing that that child endures, that people think, oh, they're going to grow up in the foster system or, or maybe grow up in an abusive family. God uses it all for his glory. So many people have come out of bad situations and don't think I should have died. I should have just been killed in my mother's womb. How unloving for her to carry me to term and, and try her best. Like that's right. a horrible message. And that's the message that all these people are, are teaching women who are pregnant and maybe in fear right now and considering abortion. Like you're really going to tell them your child's better off dead because you're in a bad situation. Like where's the faith in God? the sovereignty of God. You don't, you don't understand it. You, you're not God. You don't know the future or how God's going to work out even through the bad, what good he's going to do through that child or the testimony. You're taking away that testimony. No, you are. And um, yeah, that's one of the, the arguments too, right? They're all like, oh, you know, these Christian conservatives, they, they love your baby right up until it comes out of the womb. You know, and then it's all this fear and, you know, the foster care system stinks and adoption agencies stink and your kids are going to have, you know, a rough life. But I don't know why that equates to let's kill the baby. Like if there's broken systems, fix the system. Mm -hmm. If the foster care system stinks, let's fix the foster care system, not kill the kid. 
Yeah. If the adoption agencies and adoption process is expensive and long and hard to, to um, go through the whole process, don't kill the kid, fix the adoption process. Um, and there are agencies that are out there working. You know, we're not sponsored by Preborn, but I've heard of them. So we'll put links in the show notes to them. People that help you, you know, through the pregnancy and up through and after the pregnancy with supplies and, you know, education and support and all these. There's a lot of agencies out there. But more so than that, you know, we talked about Christians are supposed to be f- about sacrifice and dying to selves, but personal responsibility is a big part of the Christian walk. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. Um, and so much of what Roe and Casey argued for was basically a dismissal of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. That I should be able to live any sort of lifestyle I want, but not be saddled with the consequences. And that is not a Christian lifestyle. Um, so I think we need to take that to heart as well for all of us, not just an abortion, but personal responsibility, self-control in so many areas of our life that yeah. we don't. Um, but this is certainly one of those areas. So, um, as we get ready to move into sermon recommendation, anything else? Um, no. All right. So our sermon recommendation comes again from our friend Mandy's church here. Do you want to talk about this? You listen to it? Yeah. She sent me a few, I've listened to actually several of their sermons. He, he talks often just about, um, just how kind of like what we talk about honestly he's right in line with what's wrong with the culture and um this victim mentality that's going on and he brought up this time around how victims don't have victory like they all just whatever you're a victim of in your mind let's band together with other like-minded victims and just um just demand recognition and special rights and all that and He's just like, they're not going to have victory over anything. They're going to stay victims. So I really liked that, that part of the message uh, this time around. But yeah, a lot of things that are relevant to what's going on in the world today that, well, I mean, pastors preaching the word, that's good. I love just digging into the Bible, but I like when you hear a pastor speak on things, how to, how to think of um, the culture today and com- um, comparing it just to the word of God, how we should think about it. So yeah, it's a very intense sermon. Uh, if you like intense sermons and yeah, go ahead and listen to that one and all those other ones. Yeah, they're all pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, we've mentioned Lake Chelan Bible Church on here before. Um, we do have links to our social media down in the show notes. And we want to hear from you guys about sermons you're listening to. We get stuck in our own little rut of who we listen to because we like them, right? That's who we listen to. Mm-hmm. But we understand that there's a lot of good preachers, a lot of good sermons out there, and we want to hear them. So if you got a good pastor or preacher, you've listened to a good sermon recently or read a good book, please come on, you know, our social media, the comments, and let us know that because we want to hear it and we want to give them a plug as best we can. But that is all we got for today. Make sure you come back on Monday. We'll be getting into our daily devotionals Monday through, through Friday, and then Potentially next week, we'll be finishing our look at the seven deadly sins unless the world explodes again. But that is all we got. God bless.